This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at Earsports.com, a part of the Paramount Podcast Network. I am Mike Sazza. Here to preview Saturday's 1 p.m. spring game. It's West Virginia against West Virginia at Mountaineer Field on ESPN+. Here to help, Chris Anderson. Chris, we think we have answers. We look forward to a day like Saturday to maybe underline them, maybe cross them out. And then something happens where you think, oh, man, certainly the defensive line has been up and down this spring. Lose a guy like Mesidor, who actually wasn't practicing. Hear all these things about how they're bigger, better, and deeper. Realize there's a lot of young people on there that have to get better. All of a sudden, there's Zyke Lawton, Hammond Russell, John Martin. Eddie V will be back, and you're thinking, oh, this is a good thing. Saturday will be fun to watch a defensive line. I don't think we had that too high in our pecking order for the transfer portal, but lo and behold, um, I think we say this all the time, it's fluid, and there might be a new name in the mix now. Yeah, like... Literally moments ago, as we were getting ready to hop on and record this podcast, Mike Lockhart, defensive lineman from Georgia Tech, claims an offer. Um, an inter- like I, I think he builds depth. I don't. I mean, obviously, you already have. I think three starters feel pretty comfortable with with Alston, Stills, and and now Jefferson. But maybe this guy adds in a little different type of body than what Jefferson is in the inside here. And um, a little bit of experience. He, he's with the the COVID year in 2020. He's technically going to be a redshirt sophomore this coming season with three years to play three seasons and already has 25 games of college experience under his belt um, and seven starts. So not not exactly a rookie, but not exactly the guy you're bringing in to be a game changing starter right away. It's it, kind of in between there, which might be exactly what they need. Somebody that can contribute this year and then take over a starting role next year. You mentioned this before. They're they're very old, but also very young. Yeah. And there's not a whole lot in between. So this could be a guy that bridges that gap. That's fine. So two points for you, um, but also two points to us for this podcast, because this is happening on a Wednesday afternoon. We're recording this at least a Thursday morning. And it's a good frame for what we want to talk about, which is that you know, the spring game doesn't mean a whole heck of a lot. It's really the 15th practice. And if you watch Neil Brown's news conference on Tuesday, he's still struggling with the format of it. But a couple of things do remain true. And that one of them is that, you know, it is kind of a proving ground. But at this point, too, you kind of know certain things. And we often find ourselves sorting fact from fiction or perception, reality, however you want to frame it. But you look at something, as we've already said, and say that the defensive line seems like it's in a good spot. They don't need anything else. You could go defensive back, defensive back, receiver, offensive lineman, however you want to do it. You would admit a defensive line maybe from the four remaining scholarships, not necessarily what West Virginia thinks, which gives us, again, a lens to look through for the spring game. Let's start with this. Defensive line would be one of them. You've heard, by and large, very positive reviews, despite some tumult. 
but they all think they're going to be bigger and better and deeper than before. And they're going to play a little bit differently. And Jordan Jefferson's their Mack truck. And they want to get in the fist fight with the offensive line. And they're going to be brawnier and thus better equipped to do that. They're not quite there, obviously, they don't think. So they go to the portal. Cross this one off because we've discussed it. Chris, what are other areas that you've heard a lot of things about? But man, you just have to see it on Saturday. Or you have to see indications Saturday that a lot of the praise is grounded and warranted. That they don't need help. That the first 14 and then the 15th practice situates this particular unit, position, player. I don't know. In a favorable position going forward. I'd like to see a clearer picture on what the secondary is. I don't know. I, I don't want to say we're getting mixed signals here from the coaching staff, but it, you know, cause I think Neil Brown was pretty clear that, Hey, you know, he says, quote, you know, we need, or not an exact quote, but something along the lines of, we need one or two need one or two in the, in the backfield. But at the same exact time has been spending a lot of um, his spring talking up some of these young guys that are in there, talking up the Aubrey Burks, talking up the Davis Mallinger. Um, I, I personally don't like the idea of West Virginia basically going in with two open spots, uh, you know, depending on how you want to look at the secondary with the corners and the safeties. Maybe you got three guys with experience and only one of them at the FBS level because we're talking – the guys I'm talking about having experience being Marcus Floyd, uh, Charles Woods, and Jasir Cox. Cox, not even here yet. Floyd, never played it down yet. Woods, half a season at the FBS, but all stars at the FCS level. So maybe it's even a stretch for me to say those three are definitively, you know, you're, you're comfortable with that. But I'm curious to see, maybe we'll get to see it a little more in action, what some of these other guys, these young guys are doing that, again, I, I'm not saying that Neil Brown is, giving us mixed signals, but on one hand, you know, hey, we definitely need one or two. On the other hand, hey, these young guys are pretty great. So I want to see for myself which one it is. Here, Here's a great example of how they put these teams together. Is it going to be a first-team secondary? Or do you split them? And then what does that look like? Do you have a first-team, second-team right now? Um, I'm not sure they do. I'm really not sure they do. I think it's, I think it's something that's going to go into the summer. Like Charles Woods. That's probably your sure thing of those five spots. I would put Floyd second. I don't. It doesn't sound like Floyd's going to get any more action at corner. Um, maybe that's how good he is a cat and how important that is. But another corner spot and free and spear are open. And then I'm with you. It looks like uh, just here Cox, hey, has a chance. I get it. Floyd has a chance. I get it. But those are guys who come in with accomplishments from the FCS. Look how long it took Charles Woods to get in a situation now where they think he could be one of the better cornerbacks in the Big 12. He floated around. He he needed attrition to really rise. Um, that's not what awaits Cox or Floyd. Those guys are going to be thrust in. And maybe it works. You know, there is a pattern now of FCS guys moving up at skill positions and offensive defense and playing well. So there's a chance there. Would you feel great lining up Burks, Mallinger, Cox in those spots? And then maybe Andrew Wilson-Lamp or Malachi Ruffin. Like, it's there's a lot there. So... To your point, are we going to see all the answers out there? Are we going to see a finished product? Probably not, but whatever progress they reported, it'd be great to have that reaffirmed through performance. I just wonder how that's going to work. And then I said this in my three things on Sunday. If the offense is really good and the quarterbacks go deep, high completion percentage, great yards per catch for the receivers, maybe some yards after catch, I would really 
closely scrutinize how that happened and what effect the secondary had on it. Um, th- there feels like so, there could be some fool's gold out there Saturday. <laughs> Isn't there always in the spring yeah. in the WV spring game? Yes, the answer okay. is yes. Uh, I, I was say, I, going back to the early Jordan Thompson days, and, and he ended up being a solid player over time, but I think we went three straight springs where he was a Blitnikoff finalist um, in May. <laughs> um, so, I, again, we, everything we see, we're here, we're taking with a grain of salt. I mean, again, there are some things that I think we can glean from from what we see on Saturday, but uh, I don't know. There's always, you always got to kind of pick through it and see what's legit. I want to um, I want to tell you that I would have probably picked secondary for your answer too, for my answer I should say. So minus two points for me. <laughs> but let's talk offensive line. That's obviously one people are really curious about, and not great last year. Good moments against teams that they should have been effective against. That counts. Their focus is now gotta run the ball better against good defenses. Um, I don't again. I don't know how they're gonna frame these rosters but if they get the first team defensive line and the first team defensive front against your first team offensive line well they ought to succeed running the ball the running backs seem like they're good enough the offensive line should be i mean at least a push you know it shouldn't be getting bounced backwards you shouldn't be giving up tfl you shouldn't lose your spring game um and, and but again i don't know how they're going to do this like who's going to be your right tackle are you going to have you know one left tackle you know, the starting left tackle on one team, the starting right tackle on another, the starting right guard and the left tackle team, the starting left guard and the right tackle team. I don't know how they're going to do that. But if they put the five together, which would make sense, wouldn't you want to give them a competition together? Well, they ought to be able to run the ball and protect the passer, too. Um, how do we how do we view the offensive line if it's, I guess, depending on what the variables are and how they're arranged? Like, if it's your top six or seven on one side, boy, the, the second team is going to be very fun to watch. But the first team should be able to draw some conclusions or will we actually see if they're deep enough and they can actually put together two decent offensive lines? Excuse me, defense. Yeah, offensive lines. I think you really want to keep those guys for part of, for the sake of the offensive line as a whole. I think you want to keep them together. But to your point, you keep them together. That means you are almost assuredly going to make that second team offense, put that second team offense in a hole. Um, cause they're just going to be going out with a, a, a much younger, much less experienced offensive line against what is likely a more experienced, more talented defensive line. And it's just going to be a rough go of it. And, and that's going to put everybody on that side at a disadvantage from the quarterback to the running back to the receiver. So, uh, that's a delicate balancing act and, and the, but the offensive line is, well, what are we going to take about it? Because I think the very, one of the, my answer might've been about what we were looking for, um, for the spring game, if you had asked me like a couple weeks ago, might have been the rat t- right tackle spot and what they're going to do. Oh, is it going to be Nestor out, White at guard? Is it going to be Hubbard? Is it going to be Yates? Is it going to be whatever different combinations they might have been trying behind closed doors this spring? And then Neil Brown kind of poo-pooed it uh, with his uh, press conference earlier this week, saying that essentially that, that Yates has been hampered a little bit and it hasn't really been a fair competition, I guess, you know, it's not a full on competition this spring and that it's going to continue into the fall. So now I'm wondering if we're even going to be able to take anything from that position on Saturday. I have a feeling they might try to add an offensive lineman between now, Mm. between now and June. I just, I just don't know. I mean, if they can get a right tackle, I think I don't think they need 
backups at any other spot, which is what they'd be looking for. But if they can find a, a right tackle who gives them depth, that's probably a good thing because through this, they may have discovered that Brandon Yates is better suited to play inside. And he probably is. Uh, he's just really athletic, but he's his size is that he can play guards. It sounds like the guard positions. Um, that's a good swing piece to have if he can be a guard on either side because he's played left tackle and now right tackle. So he can play left guard and right guard by Matt Moore's logic. If Hubbard's your number two and you get a right tackle, that's interesting too. But um, that leads to, you know, a lot of what's on the line here because um, this, is, this is the conversation I had with um, a couple people last week that that work on college teams and they're they're watching games and looking at snap counts and seeing who's available or who's maybe available, who could become available, who could be poached. Because, you know, if, if a, a four-star right tackle isn't getting any action at a, an ACC school in West Virginia recruited him before, they're going to pay attention to that kid or they might send some feelers out. And all of a sudden, if he's in the portal, maybe it wasn't expected before because he didn't play a lot in the spring game. Hey, you've done your homework. You've got a pitch ready. You can go there, too. So I think that might that might rise up there. But again, that applies to a lot of positions on this team because uh, we'll get to this now, too. We have some some now or never spots. Offensive line, probably not. But there are some people on this team that. Let me put it this way. I think we can probably pick out your first team offense and defense. Exception being maybe the other corner spot, but I think we could probably pick like 21 out of 22, or if you count like a tight end, 22 out of 23. Second team gets Harry, and I think they're going to give third teamers reps because they want to see what they can do. Candidates, Chris, for people who are kind of on the, the firing line right now, where you got one more practice, you got a chance to show it in the game a little bit. Maybe you're a two who gets into the ones, maybe you're a three who gets in the twos and does some things. And not, I'm not saying Jordan Thompson, but like guys who, I mean, maybe like a Preston Fox has a really good day. Maybe a Malachi Ruffin has a really good day. Those are people who could be replaced by a Jeremiah Aaron or a Jacoby Spells in the summer. Or maybe there is a transfer that comes in at one of those positions or both those positions. Who are some people that we should keep an eye on, maybe late on in the scrimmage for positives, promising signs, reasons to believe going forward that they can actually contribute? Well, one guy that you on the, I guess maybe it's not as positive. Uh, I'm going leaning the other way with your your firing line, uh, line there just a minute ago. Mm. But it was somebody that uh, a couple of users asked me about in the mailbag the other day. Offensive lineman Chris Mayo. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he was a big time recruit, and I was standing there at summer camp. It was recruiting camp, and we're there, you know, covering it. And I was there when Matt Moore got the call. That or that that West Virginia coaches got the call that he was committing, and they were ecstatic, absolutely ecstatic that they got him. That they felt that this was like a big time, huge piece. And right now, you know, I think you mentioned him in an early, early spring, you know, recap when you were allowed to watch some practice, and mentioned him as somebody that was bouncing around at a couple of spots. And, and was getting some reps. I can't remember if it was first team or rotating in with first team, second team, whatever it is. And I think that was the last we heard of him. And so I, I'd like to see him because I think he has a lot of talent. And he is somebody that can, with Matt Moore searching for that seventh, eighth, ninth guy. I mean, he he was pretty blunt about it. that you know He'd love to have 10, but realistically, he knows that's not likely. Um, and you got somebody like Mayo, who is a class of 2019 guy. And granted, he got the 2020 year COVID redshirt. So he's what a redshirt sophomore mm-hmm. coming into the season. So he's still got some eligibility left. He still has a chance that he could make an impact down the road. But if he's still 
if he's sitting on third team after spring, and then there's a whole another handful of you know big time offensive line recruits coming in this summer. Um, you know, this this is when we need to see what he's going to do if he's going to do anything at West Virginia. I think it's a great pick. I know it's a great pick. Yeah, I just think that that's the guy that they had hopes for, but also was in that spot where because of who they have and who they brought in and who they're bringing in. I mean, I think that even um even the other day, Moore said a couple of these true freshmen are big enough and physical enough to play if they can pick up quickly enough but if we're talking about a guy who can be at two as a red shirt as a true freshman um i think they would do that before they would pour stuff into a guy um you know a guy like mayo hasn't played a whole lot and who knows what his, his future really is too and to be frank they have a lot of guys with a lot of time left like they're they're red shirt seniors their senior class is pretty small so they're in a good position like that too but um yeah i think that's probably a good one i think that's a, a pick that probably makes a lot of sense and uh, maybe not the most popular because people do want to see a, a young offensive lineman succeed, but those are kind of the breaks right there too. I want to say too, uh, I don't think it's now or never on him. Jalen Thornton's been around a long time and he's lasted, which is a credit to him, but he's also lasted in a spot now where he has a chance. Um, and they've liked him and said he's had a really good off season in spring. He's, he's only a red shirt junior. And I think there's probably an extra year on top of that too, because of COVID, but pedigree, the name obviously means a lot. He's been around, he's been on the field, been a good special teams player. Uh, he's up at like 280 right now, and he's a guy who can play in the middle in an even front and maybe an odd front. A little bit of a difference if he's in the nose in the middle, but I think he's a guy that they're they're kind of hinging some thoughts on for what they want to do on the defensive line. Like they think they look the part, they're bigger, they're stronger, they're faster, they can be quick if they want to, but that's a piece they're probably going to need if they want to be as deep as they can be on the defensive line. Uh, finally, Chris, um, uh, we made it 15 minutes. Quarterback. <laughs> I don't want to say that like I, I think it's irrelevant. I just don't think it's as relevant right now. <laughs> We're not crowning a starter out of this. this. This by and large does not matter. Sorry. Um, I think the first 14 practices probably show them a bunch. It'll be beneficial to see some of these guys out there in the open. But listen, this is one of those things that other schools are going to look for. If if Marquio is, if he gets 25 snaps and throws eight passes or something like that, uh, I guarantee you his voicemail is going to fill up. It just is. Um, and then if if you don't see a lot of Crowder, that's interesting. If you don't see it, I mean, just there's, there's repercussions with everything. And a lot of it might be projections, too. But um, I want to say this. I hope they get a chance to really air it out, to play fast, to do RPO stuff and, and to do things that they've been working on because they deserve that. They earn that. What has happened to them is not their fault. They're the victim of a program that's under 503 years with their coach and has a chance to add a difference maker, a quarterback. And the program did. Um that's college football in 2022, and it has been like that for a while. It'll be like that in the future, but it's not their fault. And they're going to have to look out for themselves at some point or another here. Maybe two of them, certainly one of them, I would guess. I don't know which one it'll be. It's kind of like spinning the barrel right now, and you know, maybe one of them will fly out of here. But I just I don't know what conclusions we're going to be able to draw. I just hope that they get to go out there and get something out of it, whether it's for an audition, whether it's for, for fulfillment, but it's it's for a year now. Maybe two years if you're green, but if you're a year like Marchio or, or Crowder who's been on campus, whether it's being recruited or being groomed to one day play, or if you're a guy like Crowder, excuse me, um, green who has played and people wanted more, um, that there's a payoff here Saturday. It's small. I understand that. But for people who've been watching and wanting something to happen, I mean, here it is. We'll see. I just I really hope they get a chance to show what they have for themselves, for whoever else is watching, including their teammates, but also for the coaches, because who, who knows how this turns out. Um, this is not checkered flag, but to me, it, it does kind of feel like it too. It, yeah, I mean, 
Do you think, and don't don't jump to say yes here, do you think it's stupid here to assume that or think that it means something if they get to go out? I think this is what you were trying to say, or we're saying here. I'm just making sure I was seeing if we're on the same page. Like, they get they get to do something. Like, if they go out there and they just hand it off a few times and there's no excitement about the quarterback at all, like, those guys, one of those guys is gone. Like, but maybe, just maybe, would it make an impact on their decision on their future if they got to go out there and just sling it and have fun and the crowd got, you know, riled up for them? Again, it's just a spring game, but that's the thing with just a spring game. No matter how many times we try to hammer home the point that the spring game is not that important or, you know, Neil Brown says it's just another practice, it's the 15th practice, whatever happens in the spring game, fans, social media, et cetera, will talk about it for the next three or four months. Do you think it matters? Do you think it could make an impact that the quarterbacks get to go out there and do something big, positive, flashy, fun? Yeah, because the door is slowly closing on a couple of them, right? right? Um, And that may not be the intent, but that's how it's received. And there's going to be a foot in the door from the head coach or the offensive coordinator and say, hey, can we have a word? It may fall on deaf ears right now, but if they treat this as, no, this is this is actually the fulfillment of the spring and we want to give you a chance to show who's the better of the three and who won this competition, wing it. Let it fly. Let's go deep. Let's play fast. I think that that, however hollow that, that message may be afterwards, I think that you could probably wrap your arms around a little bit more because, again, there are selling points to this. You can say, listen, sorry, we like you. We recruited you. We've developed you. We just don't think you're ready. We have a core on offense and defense that can win this year. We went out and we got a really good quarterback. He's going to be here one year. Why don't you prep a, a little bit more, come back in the spring next year, and this could be you. But if you're here, if you want to try the portal and end up in the MAC or Conference USA or if you want to be a starter a couple years down the road at somewhere else and have to prove yourself to a staff all over again, hey, fine. But stick with us here. We're going to let you play. We're going to let you do what you do, what you've been doing, and we're not going to forget this. Yeah, I think that's a lot easier for those kids to believe in. They probably want to believe in something right now because they might not think that people believe in them. I'm with you, and I think that's a good pitch from from the coaching staff. And I think, uh, you know, it, they have to hammer the point home because there are um, – I, I hate to break it to each of the three guys that we're talking about here. None of the three of them are going to leave West Virginia and go start somewhere else right now, at least not at a high level. None of them. Yeah, like it's it's not going to happen if they if they leave this summer, they are not going to go somewhere and start at probably anywhere in FBS um, or at least mid to high level FBS. So it's something they have to think long and hard about, because, as you pointed out, one year and they could be back in it or one year and then they're starting over somewhere else. So it, it, it there is a. A lot of people may think, oh, yeah, it's a it's a done deal that these guys, one or maybe two of these guys are leaving. But maybe that's true for, like, the fourth guy out of the, you know, the three guys and, and Daniels, like the guy that's maybe sitting third out of this three-man group. But it's not true for all three of them because of all the stuff we just talked about, too. Daniels, what has he missed, 35 games in four years? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he's been hurt a lot. He's He's been hurt more than he's played. So if you're one of these quarterbacks – it's not a sure thing that you need to leave, but I do think it helps that they're able to go out there and kind of sling it around on Saturday. Final question. You have two words for an answer. 
most buzzworthy player, your your pick Saturday? Preston Fox. Oh. Okay. I got just a it this the spring game setup is ripe for well, I guess dag on it. You said two words. No, I mean, it's, I mean yeah. Well, I don't because you give me a bunch of different names, but that's but, well, the, the spring game, the spring game is set up for a, a wide receiver or some guy on offense. It's not going to be because running backs, you know, they don't actually fully tackle. They're not going to run it a lot. So it's set up for passing. So then you're focused on basically wide receivers and quarterbacks. And Preston Fox has had a great spring. He's been to talk. He's a kid that, you know, a lot of people are, are going to get behind, walk on kid, is they kid, all that stuff. But after I said it, that seems like an obvious pick. But then after I said it, with all the buzz about quarterbacks, how can you not pick a quarterback? It's who, whichever quarterback throws it to Preston Fox ten times. How about that? <laughs> That'll work. Okay, we can definitely do that. Uh, give me Jarrell Williams. Ooh, I think the top three are going to be the top three. It's going to be Ford Wheaton. It's going to be Prather. It's going to be James. But I think that second line is going to be something to watch um i like your pick it got a woo out of me because i wasn't expecting that but i think it's a good one but i think i like Jarrell williams and i think he's going to play a bunch in the outside in the scrimmage because they know that they know they have a guy coming in who can play um and, and the fact that the receivers coach recruited him back at coastal carolina means that there's extra favorability there but williams has, has done a little bit more than i think they thought he's gotten a lot of reps um for whatever reason uh, they've kind of highlighted that he's played more than expected I don't know why there's no other receiver over there besides him and Prather, but I suspect that'll happen Saturday and he's going to get some action. I like it. I like it. All right. An agreeable podcast from Chris and I, one or both of us will be back Saturday, depending on how long this runs. Chris has to slip the windbreaker on and coach little league. I got to cover a spring game, which is kind of fun again, because this one is interesting despite, despite everything that happened, it still shapes out to be pretty interesting, but We'll, uh, we'll cover it all in detail on the site, on a podcast, on Saturday. Until then, I'm Mike Casaza. And I'm Chris Anderson. We'll talk to you later. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+.